Hi everyone, and welcome to Small Biz Gone Viral, an attempt via podcast to humanize the impact COVID-19 is having on small businesses through conversations with the humans that run them. I'm your host, Grant LeBeau. In just a few minutes, we will get to our guest, Ryan Armistead, co-founder of Happy Moose Juice. Fun fact, Ryan is the front man of Peggy Bunker and the Bunkmates, whose song Geronimo just happens to be our theme song. And full transparency, I'm editing this a few weeks late, well after my conversation with Ryan, and I say that only to let you know that things are nowhere near resolved, or even ebbing. Infection, mortality, and unemployment stats are all still trending higher and higher, and this situation genuinely continues to suck for all of us, and we'll continue to, but we're going to get through it together. A goal of each show is to take a snapshot, documenting the time-specific effects of COVID-19, and in the podcast series, to show the rapid evolution and changes small businesses endured over a larger period. With that in mind, let's move on to facts and figures from April 3rd, 2020, the date of this interview. There have now been 1.1 million total reported cases worldwide, with just over 67,000 deaths. This continues the trend of a 10% daily growth rate. And at that pace, those numbers will double every week, which is exactly what happened in the last seven days. In the U.S., there are 260,000 active cases and have now been over 8,800 deaths. A scary national trend to note, although the U.S. represents only four and a quarter percent of the world's total population, it has roughly 13% of the world's reported deaths, which is three times higher than what it should be based on population alone. On to rapidly downward spiraling economic stats. First-time unemployment filings reached 10 million in the past two weeks. National unemployment will almost surely surpass 5% this week, wiping out the jobs growth from the past few years. Because of a comparatively lower rate of jobs that allow telecommuting, Black and Latinx populations are at a higher risk for COVID and are being disproportionately affected. The CARES Act will hopefully help limit this potential because of provisions to include an additional $600 per week to unemployment checks through July 31st. Unemployment benefits are also open to contractors, a group normally excluded that includes gig workers from Uber, Lyft, Instacart, and Grubhub. The hope is this will incentivize workers to stay home when possible and limit overall exposure risks. Although the legislation was passed a few weeks ago, states are struggling to implement these changes in a timely manner. There are widespread reports of people struggling to get through over the phone, in person, or even online as unemployment offices are inundated and overwhelmed by the sheer volume of people desperately in need of financial assistance. The Dow Jones finished the day at 21,413, down 27% from its all-time high of 29,500 just seven weeks ago. What surprises me, though, is that with a public health risk with no end in sight, unemployment numbers soaring, and mediocre government responses, the Dow Jones has stabilized. So we will definitely be keeping our eye on how Wall Street continues to reflect the struggles of Main Street. Let's move on to something more uplifting. My guest today is Ryan Armistead, co-founder of Happy Moose Juice. Based in Oakland, Ryan and his partners have rapidly grown their cold-pressed juice company over the past few years, which can now be found in Pete's Coffee nationally, as well as in the meal delivery service, Sunbasket.
Today on the show, we have Ryan Armistead, co-founder of Happy Moose Juice, maker of delicious cold-pressed fruit and vegetable juices, as well as dairy-free milks, and of course, that is milk with a Y. Ryan, thanks for so much for being on the show. Sure thing, man. Thank you for having me. Excited yeah. to be here with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I wish it were kind of under better circumstances. You know, not, hey, tell us about why, uh, why the circumstances suck. But um, let's, let's see, to, to start things off, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us just a little bit more about your background, kind of how you went from East Coast to West Coast, how you got into the, the bottled juice world, and uh, kind of bring us up to speed. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I well, just want to say thanks. Thanks again for having me, man. This is fun to yeah, to open up about it because I haven't got to do that much. To be honest, it's like having slowed down or anything. So thanks for creating this space for us to kind of do that. Um, yeah, Happy Moose, Happy Moose Juice is my company. I started about seven years ago. Um, we started launched in San Francisco. I'm originally, like you said, moved from east to west coast. So I'm from North Carolina, like born and raised, grew up in a small town and went to Appalachian State University was where I went to college. But um, after uh, I actually moved here uh, via New York, um, where I moved to after I graduated from college, but um, came out to San Francisco for a sales job originally. And yeah, after some differences with uh, my, my manager there, I left and did some traveling, but came back to San Francisco and started Happy Moose with a friend of mine who was living with me along with like eight other people in this big, big house out in Presidio. And <laughs> thank goodness it wasn't COVID because we all probably would have had it. Um, but we all got the flu one winter. And so um, my roommate at the time, Phoebe, um, she's like a nutritionist and dietitian, went to Bastyr University up in Seattle. So she was like, you know, also kind of a foodie really into, um, like the health and wellness side of those things too. But we all got, uh, the house came down with the flu and everybody was legit sick and we were sick. Like people were like passing it back and getting it for a second time. And like at that point you're like, all right, we got to do something different. So um, we ended up going out and getting a juicer and like just both of us kind of being like foodie and like, I love juiced and, and like fruits and vegetables and like going to the farmer's market and things like that. So it became this thing that, um, her and I would make juice like in the kitchen every day. And so we were sharing it with our friends. We'd go and like, um, if we were hanging out with our friends, we'd bring a bunch. And so eventually we had like our housemates and then our friends outside who were like wanted to get juice deliveries from us or just get juice from us when as much as they could. And so, we were doing that and eventually, and we decided we wanted to do a pop-up juice bar. And so we did this pop-up juice bar with this restaurant called range. And so it was really sweet. They had this sweet little, um, like inside vibe that felt like really fifties or sixties, really nice decor, lovely. And the bar was right, right when you walked in, they're only open for dinner. So during the day we're like, Oh man, it'd be sweet if we could use a space like this and sell our juice from it. Um, so it was all fresh product, you know, glass bottles. And we didn't even have like a legit juicer. So we couldn't just use this home juicer to do anything like this. But we went out, we went out and got these two like really small cold presses and they were like mad expensive. We didn't have like, we started with uh, 65K 
And it was tough because we were paying ourselves 2000 at the time, 2000 a month, both Phoebe and I, um, on our, like, you know, work to launch the company. So the first like four or five months we were just like planning and doing stuff like that, but like not paying ourselves much, yada, yada. Did, um, and real quick, did, did you raise money to, to make that happen to get, or was that going out of savings? No, it came from, so my cousin who is like, younger than me. And, and I, I was starting this when I was 27. He was like 25 and he had saved a little chunk of cash from working his office jobs. He's like, um, he was in finance back in North Carolina, but he's like my cousin and he and I grew up, our dads were in business together, sold furniture together back in North Carolina. So we grew up in this like kind of small family business, business environment. And he and I would like help our dads in the summertime and, um, would like always be like hustling in like little furniture stuff, like doing deliveries, things like that like moving furniture around for him. They had shipments coming in or out. Um, and so he and I working together, we just always wanted to kind of do something. And I came over Christmas. I was like, oh, I think me and my friend, we want to start this juice company on, you know, San Francisco where I was living. And he's like, Oh, I was getting ready to invest in this, uh, these two women who were starting a juice company in Dallas where he was living at the time. He's like, I'll just give you the money and we'll do and we'll do it together. And so we just like totally on a sort of handshake and he like gives the cash and we like, you know, eventually doc documented everything but um he myself and um our my partner and friend phoebe we were just all third third and third um so we started it yeah he was our financier 65k all right um, but he's he's still our cfo today so that's kind of it's really awesome too we're he's still still in it with me um but yeah so that's kind of how we got going all right so you're a, a fledgling juice company with like a a, a pre-revenue valuation of well, one ninety five. Yeah. Well, if you well, if you think about it, it was a yeah. It's exactly right, and you nailed it. I was about to have to do the math. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. And he's still with you today. And was was he? How, how quickly did he join on with you? Oh, uh, right up front. I mean, he was helping us out, and he's you know he's much more financially focused and is like good with numbers, and he's been like helped like he's the one looking at he looks at the bank balance every day, so as for better or worse, it's that it's been at, at times, uh, sustaining to have, have that part, like the financially savvy partner. Not that I'm, I, I'm terrible at it, but right. It's right. Uh, no, it's good to have someone who, who that's, that's their primary talent. And so, uh, so he, he's the finance guy. And then you got Phoebe who is, she had more of that formal training and background and then you're super charismatic. So I, I imagine you're probably doing a lot of sales. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that, and among other things at this point, um, like Phoebe's not involved in the day to day anymore. And, uh, but so it's a lot of different things. It's still doing a, a lot of everything, but some things I just don't really do. And it's been nice. Like the, I would try and keep from an organizational standpoint. I try, I like to be creative. So I think trying to be in places where I can have space to do that, but at the same time, you have to kind of have your, like, an understanding of everything that's going on if you're, like, really, like, leading the company. So it's been um, a little bit of everything, but with a focus on sales, yeah. Right, right. And, and you know, you, at least in the first few minutes of this podcast, you're, you're coming across as, like, somewhat reserved. So I just want all of our tens of listeners out there to know that you, you're also the kind of guy who went, and this is the first time that I met you, was at a, at a trade show. You're also the kind of guy who will get up and sing a karaoke in, in, a, in a ballroom of 500, I don't know, four or 500 strangers 
and basically it's a, with a wireless mic dance around in between <laughs> tables uh singing an, an off-key rendition of uh band on the run <laughs> uh thanks for the off-key jab I, there i mean off, <laughs> uh, okay, i mean mildly off key. This, this, keep in mind this is coming from a guy who would never sing in front of well really anyone other than my wife and that's only long enough for her to be like seriously you, you should you should stop <laughs> no uh, i probably sounded like the redneck yodeler that i am yeah. <laughs> no my, my my hat is off to you and i was trying to trying to paint a picture or an anecdote of uh of your of your charisma it's a <laughs> thank yeah. you so you you've been with obviously you've been there from the from the beginning seven years where how many employees do you guys have now um i want to say like seven uh full and mostly full like one part time seven that that's amazing i mean honestly hiring your first full-time employee is is just a serious commitment and getting up to five six seven like that that's a whole nother step that's a whole nother ball game than just just you just you and, and girlfriend or just you and cousin or just, in, you know, you and whoever. Right. I mean, that, that's, that's gotta feel good. Yeah, definitely. And Phoebe wasn't my girlfriend, but, but it was just, and like just a friend, but it definitely, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it took a while to even, you know, before we were even able to hire the first person, but yeah, now, now to have people on board and helping you like steer, you know, steer the whole thing is, uh, it's, it definitely feels <laughs> challenging, but also like really rewarding. So, yeah. Yeah. Out of curiosity, what job title do you put on your business card, email signature? Do you put one at all? You, you got, you got to have something. Yeah. I wish it was like more fun. Like, well, my, my job on, uh, my job, my title on Facebook is directory, uh, the director of skateboard logistics. Okay. Um, okay. So that's my most informal title, but on my business card, it says um, CEO and co-founder. So it's like kind of two, but um, yeah, I feel like, you know, there's still a, an artisanal aspect of it where being a founder, I think carries like, you know, some people like to know that they're talking to somebody who like started it. I think. Who's, who's truly invested. Yeah. For, from the beginning. No, I, I totally agree. That, that's a really good point. And I, I think that I, subconsciously that's probably why I do something similar. I prefer co-founder also because I work with my dad and we're 50, 50. And so it'd be weird if I was like, Hey, I'm CEO. Or if, you know, if I heard him say the same thing. And so I suppose at some point we'll probably have to delineate, but, I also, on my business card, I have a co-founder and boss. <laughs> All right. There you go. And then, my, and then my, my sister has, uh, di- what is she, director of marketing and, and food wizard, I think is hers. That's awesome. So you guys clearly, clearly got to pick your own. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's whatever people are like, really, you put that on there. I'm like, well, yeah, like we're a tiny company. Why, why wouldn't I, you know, these are like the times I don't get to enjoy a giant paycheck. So I might as well take advantage of like the little things that I do have control over and, and, and do get to enjoy where we are currently. Right. I mean, as a, as a small business owner, you know, you got to celebrate the little victories because they're sometimes few and far between. And then also there's just like so much 
uh, I don't know, day-to-day stresses that that come along with the territory of being a small business owner, as opposed to, you know, I'm, I'm sure your old job carried with it its own sets of stresses, but probably had a much more uh, regular source of income, right? Oh yeah, for sure. It was the f- former job was like it was a good one, and it was it was fun. It was like pretty. I feel like I was it was felt kind of easy. It was outside sales job where your boss lived like four States away and you worked from home and traveled a lot. So it was, that was pretty cush and, but yeah, working for yourself, it's like the highs are higher, but the lows are lower. It's harder, longer hours, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Common misconception. And I'm sure you can relate to this, but people who don't work, who, who are outside the small business world, who have kind of a, a traditional nine to five. I feel like the, the thing that I hear most often is, oh, so, so you can just like take off work whenever you want. Like, oh, you can just go on vacation whenever you want. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, but like also then the company stops moving. Like if you're, if you're, if you're in a one man boat and you stop rowing, like, yeah, you can stop rowing whenever you want. You're just not going to move forward anymore. Yeah, I mean, I I remember I didn't go home for Christmas the first two years, so that was, you know, that's yeah, felt limiting in 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 that sense. But it's worth it. I mean, it's also like for better or worse, it kind of because you spend so much time on it, you feel in a way that it sort of defines you. I feel like it's tough to not feel that. Yeah. And so whether or not you like it, you know, it, it's good for. Because if people are interested in it or, you know, you can, and people can relate to it, I feel like that's nice. But at the same time, it's also like, ah, it would be cool to be other things, you know, to do other things and be known, known for doing that too. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting point. I, I, I think that I, I actually had a really long conversation about this with my, with my friend Chris and his wife, Molly, the last time they came down to visit. And Chris was actually the, the last last person who I had interviewed, but my, I was kind of lamenting to them about, I don't know, maybe I was having a bad day or something, but about how I felt like so much of my, my identity was tied to my work in a way that's a lot different than someone who's in like your standard kind of sales and marketing or, Hey, like you work for Facebook or you work for, you know, some like bigger company or, or even a smaller company for like, Hey, I, I work at my local insurance company branch and I sell insurance. People are like, oh, cool. But it's not really like at, uh, at a party, people aren't gravitating towards you. It being like, oh, tell me more about this. You know, uh, what do you sell? General liability? Go on, right? Or as opposed to, I'm sure with you, it's like happy moose juice? What, wait, what What do you do, right? And so then there's like tons of follow-up questions and, and uh, Every single time, lots of suggestions about what you should be doing, right? That's funny, but yeah, it can be for sure. Well, what, what's the most what's the most common suggestion you get from people? Hmm. I would say there's always something. I mean, there's always something that you haven't thought of. So I would say people will ask you if you've like juiced these really crazy things, or you know are you doing this like new trend or something like that? So it feels like, you know, from the outset, a lot of times people have high expectations or they they already have something that they like. So 
especially if you don't have something to share with them when you're talking about it. I think that it's, uh, it, yeah, it's definitely can be frustrating because you're like, Oh, I just want to like give you, like, I want you to experience it. I want to like tell you what it is because right. you, you some, get it when you get it. And also sometimes you have to be like, Hey, listen, these are the eight flavors I have, or these are the, yeah. you know, these, these are the 12 juices we make. Do, do you like them? Right. Cause I feel like sometimes people come up and they're like, Oh, you know, these, these are like with us. So all of our bars have either almond butter or peanut butter and, and then coconut. Like we, we, we put everywhere, like we are a coconut bar company. Right. And we'll have people be like, you know, these would be great if, uh, if they didn't have any nuts uh, or, or coconut. And we're like, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a different product you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if like, it's like, oh man, th this bar would be so much better if it were. Uh, if I didn't it, have a nut allergy and I liked coconuts. <laughs> right. Like if it, were, if it had less coconut and less almond butter uh, and, and didn't have, and didn't have this sugar. And I'm like, okay, so like you want a monk fruit sweetened chocolate is what you're talking about. <laughs> like you don't want a bar at all. Or it's like, right. And I'm sure you get things too, where it's like, I, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm sure there are similarities where people are suggesting to you what you should be doing. Yeah, and but people are always, I feel like a, one comment that you just get with juice in general. And for me, I know not everybody has to enjoy sugar and it's not good for some people's diet, especially if they're like diabetic or whatever it is. But the sugar thing is like definitely uh, like one thing that, you know, it's like, well, isn't juice really high in sugar? And it's like, well, yeah, it's also delicious and like, like good for you if you're healthy. Right. Um, but and sugar too is one of those things where it's uh, qu quantity or, or uh, it, it's in the 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 perspective is in the eye of the beholder. I, I'm yeah. right where people will be like, "Oh man, ten grams of sugar!" And I swear, like fifty people out of a hundred, or let's see, out of a, out of a hundred people, probably like twenty people will be like, ten grams of sugar? Are you trying to kill me?" <laughs> like, "Oh, okay, all right, no problem, no problem." <laughs> And you're like, well, you know, just so you know, like, you know, the, this juice over here or, or, you know, a cliff bar has, uh, 18, 19, you know, they're, they're over 20 grams of sugar, but that, that's, that's totally fine. Right. And then other people <laughs> are like, oh, 10 grams of sugar. Oh, great. I'll try it. And then other people will be like, you know, uh, 10 grams of sugar. I, and then they'll ask you, is, is that a lot? Is that a little? And it's like, I feel like you just get like the full spectrum of people when you're talking about nutrition facts. And that's why. It's just like you, you got to find your niche and your, your specific market and just go after them. You know, find out who your ideal customer is and go after them. And, and what I tell my salespeople when they're, when they're doing special events, is like if someone comes up and, they, and it looks like they're trying to like pick a fight with you pretty much, like you just need to smile and basically try to, to very gently move them away from the table because you're, you're, you're not going to, you're, you're not there. If you're selling, cold pressed juice or you're selling, you know, organic energy bars, like you're not selling someone uh, a heart implant or something, right? It's like, Hey, listen, this is just a little thing. If you like it, great. If not, no problem. You know, I've just, Hey, I just poured my heart and soul into this for the last seven years, but Hey, if you want to, if you want to bring it down, cool, 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 cool. I'm just going to smile and try to just move you along to the next table, please. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I totally, uh, I totally 
feel you on that. But it's, um, yeah, you know, I mean, that's the thing. You learn really quick that you're not going to be able to please everybody. So you, you just either learn to like take it with a smile and, you know, whether you, it feels legitimate or not, you can tuck it away for, you know, whenever you, it, you might remember it and say, oh, hey, this is like the second time I heard that or something. Right. Yeah. No, that, that's a really good point. And I think that it's important to not, and these are some of the things that are harder, I think, as a, as an owner to dissociate your ego from customer feedback. Right. And, and even as I'm like kind of replaying just the last like three or four minutes of what I've been talking about, I, I, I feel like sometimes I can, I can go swing a little too strongly. I think it's super important to listen to customer feedback and, and, especially the customers who who know your product and are familiar with it. like it's one thing if someone just walks by and they're like why is it so expensive and like <laughs> they just kind of keep going and you're like okay that's you know that that's fine right like you don't want to pay seven dollars for cold pressed juice they're like no no problem no problem totally get it you know it's 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 all, everything's organic you're not watering it down it's super high quality you know like the the whole process in and of itself is like designed to be very high quality and and therefore like you're gonna there's gonna be a price premium but not that's not for everyone and that's that's totally fine right and so there are some things that you can't make the adjustments for but that does but if there are people who are like hey i've been a customer of yours for you know six months or a year and i i I buy you all the time i just want to let you know x or, you know, hey, you know, I got a shipment in the mail and the boxes, you know, were a little damaged or something. Or, uh, hey, I felt like maybe the quality of this thing was something like that's that, that, like you always want to listen to the to the customer feedback. Mm-hmm. It, it's just that, I don't know, some people, uh, some people who uh, maybe this is just me again, trying to like not get to, to dissociate my ego, but uh, I, it's important. To, to, to push that ego aside, listen to the feedback, but also still important to have a shoulder to cry on and someone to vent to when, you, <laughs> when you've heard the same thing for like 500 million times about how you should be sold at Trader Joe's. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's so true, man. And it's, I think it's just part of the job, right? It's like you, you have to, like your whole thing is to sell a consumable is, you want people to consume it. So you want them to be drawn to it. And so they have like this, a lot of people have this perception of like the, the power of the consumer and you're being catered to or something, or at least, you know, if they're there to get feedback or to let you try it, then it, I mean, it would be easy for me to, to, <laughs> there's a lot of times when I just want to be like, Hey, well, what, how about you tell me what you do? And I'll tell you if I like yeah, it. Or not. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's especially like being a smaller company where you only have like, you know, kind of a, a limited offering. I feel like it's like going into a, into a, uh, like an architect's house and the house is already built. And then you go and, Hey, you know, what'd be cool. Uh, is if we, if we made this kind of a Cape Cod style house instead of, uh, this this uber modern thing that you got going here. And they're like, yeah, but the house is built, man. Like, do you do you want this house or not? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's. A, yeah, I mean, tell me about what it, you do. Yeah, let's, let's yeah, break that down. Yeah, and just come stay on the other side of this table and tell me. Yeah, not drink my own juice while I listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. 
Um, so that, that was a that was a much longer uh, background, and and that was a little bit of a of a different uh, offshoot than what I've done so far. But uh, thank thanks for letting me vent on my own show, even though it, it's designed to have you come on and, and be able to vent to me about kind of what's going on. So uh, we kind of already started it, but this is this is a, a segment that we are not now officially calling BC, aka before COVID. So <laughs> it's basically just to kind of you to paint a a kind of a, a quantitative picture of your company where you are how many doors you're in that type of thing maybe you don't have to give me you know exact revenue numbers but you, you don't have to give me anything you, you already you, you <laughs> you've already given me so much ryan uh yeah <laughs> Not a back you know, yet, uh, so i know we, we met at a trade show and and you had already uh, been in been uh kind of partnered with some of the the bigger companies there so maybe you can tell me about those guys coffee shops, juice bars, uh, you know, offices. I know those are all kind of stuff that uh, are, are core components of your business. And why don't you take it from here? Oh, yeah, cool. Um, no, so yeah, we're, so we're in about, I'd say, four to 500 doors right now, just predominantly in California. Um, we are in a couple of Pete's Coffees out in Colorado. And then we do work with um, Sunbasket, um, who's a really awesome meal kit delivery company. Yeah, They're like yeah. High quality, use a lot of organic ingredients. My wife loves Sunbasket, yeah. So you can find um, pretty much the full shebang on, on uh, their kind of add-ons catalog that they have, that they offer and then deliver as well. So. Um, so next There's, time we get some basket, we should we should tack on some happy moose juice. That's what you're saying. hundred percent. I can't believe you haven't tacked it on yet. Well, I mean, um, I, I I would, but I'm just I'm always the one who's like, why why'd you buy sun basket? <laughs> I, I can make a dinner for so much less. But that's uh, that that's a whole other subject. <laughs> they they make it easy to yeah get they happy do moose they juice. do and their meals are are usually really good. They they really are. I've actually um I I actually get them. You know, I'd say every other week right now, I wish I was getting them more, but they're like booked out. You know, that's the thing is. Yeah. That's one of the businesses that's, that's definitely thriving. I do say on my to-do list though, on my, and maybe I'll do it this weekend. I need to write Sunbasket a note that uh, parsley is not a substitute for basil. If I, if you're sending me ingredients to make pasta, okay. I don't want parsley in my pasta Sunbasket. Hmm. Did yeah. they, they, they did that? Yeah, pass, pass that along for me, would you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me tell you how to do your job, Sunbasket. Yeah, no, <laughs> no man. Um, so, sorry to say, I, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but I'll, I'll send you some basil. Um, so that we've got <laughs> okay, <one>. yeah, perfect. <laughs> Next time. Um, Just overnight me some San Francisco basil, please. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they, they, they deliver it around the country, and um, th which is awesome. So it's fun to be for that. You know, we hear from people that are uh, drinking it, you know, out east and everything, too, or my family can get it uh, in North yeah, Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's really cool. Um, and the, but everybody else is in, is in California. Um, mostly, it was mostly, we're, cafes, coffee shops, um, restaurants, hotels, but yeah, about four to 500 doors, I'd say closer to 400 doors, um, on the retail side. And then, uh, we, we do like corporate catering. So being here, um, strategically in the area, located yeah. in, the, in the Bay area. Yeah. 
um, like selling to offices and things like that has been a really, really great um, channel for us. And it's worked because, you know, we, we do a fresh product. So we've got like a fresh product line that we deliver in glass bottles. And then we've got a wholesale line that you find lightly processed and that's at the stores, but it's different What's packaging. I was just saying, I assume that the, the difference there is probably shelf life, the, the biggest difference. There. Yeah, 100%. Shelf life and the packaging is different. The experience, I think, is overall different because you can do a lot more, um, you know, from like a pH level and like development level in for your fresh product line than for your, for our wholesale line at least because we're using HPP and has to be below a certain pH. So you can't do like a lot of nut milks and things like that for the HPP application. But um, yeah. Interesting. I, I didn't, I didn't know that about the, about, about the nut milks. Yeah. Yeah. All that. So we don't have those, um, like in for, for wholesale, just for our fresh business. But I feel like, you know, one day if we're going to pasteurize something, um, then we could like consider that. Otherwise it's just, I think too hard unless you're using these like stabilizer agents and things like that. And I, and I'm just like, I don't know what the long-term effect could be on somebody for that. So I couldn't, it's hard to get down for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those are totally the, the, the types of trade-offs that are, I think really, really difficult for small businesses to, to know where to go because, you know, you obviously know that at, if you're adding shelf life, that's great. you you, it opens, it opens the number of, potential doors right that you that you can get into but are you gonna uh, are you gonna be sacrificing the core group of customers who's who you may not you know you don't know them they're not your family but it's like that next that that next uh ring of connection to your brand who are diehard loyalists and when you change something are you going to be losing those people and then losing the identity of your brand because you added an emulsifier or a stabilizer or you started pasteurizing I think th those things are, are, are really, really difficult. And that, that's the type of thing too, where the, 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 and this is where I know when I'm doing my my Costco road shows or my, even just farmer's markets or whatever, but someone will suggest something to me. And, and I feel like my, my sisters would give me a hard time about this because growing up, I would always over explain things, but sometimes people will give me a suggestion. And I'll be like, all right, like, let me just draw up this whiteboard behind me and uh, explain to you why that can't happen. You know, and I'm sure you, like people, you know, people outside of, uh, you know, the, the juice world are probably gonna be like, Hey, Ryan, you know, these juices are great, but you know, it'd also be great if, uh, if I could keep them on my shelf for uh, eight months without having to refrigerate it, but also I don't want any stabilizers. Can you do that for me? You're like, yeah, sure. Let me just fast forward like 500 years into the future, get on Star Trek, figure out how to, you know, way how to do this, and then I'll get back to you. Yeah. No, it's, it's tough. I mean, but it's, I feel like, you know, different categories lend themselves to being like processed more or cooked more, you know, whatever it is. So for me, I think, and I think with, uh, like other uh, consumers too. Juice is one of those things that you just want as fresh as possible because you're literally drinking fruits and vegetables, which are a great source of nutrients. Right. Um, like pr a primary, you're usually your primary source of nutrients. Um, so you like there, you can kind of understand why it's a trickier thing to navigate, but um, yeah, it's uh, 
you know, I feel like, like my potato chips, I don't care if they last for two years or, I mean, one year is probably as long as I'd ever keep them. But, you know, those are because they're potato chips. It's like right. they're cooked and they're crispy and they have like the salt on them. So Right. They're like made to be preserved, basically. Yeah. They're, uh, I, yeah. They probably taste delicious in two years. I bet they would. Yeah, almost certainly. Uh, and also, you are now on your third juice, which is uh, incredible. So I, I, have a, I have a feeling this podcast is probably going to get uh, hard capped by the, the capacity of your bladder. So we'll, we'll go ahead and, uh, and, and move on to my next question, which is <laughs> going back to Sunbasket. Is Sunbasket a... A, and, and this is kind of going to segue into our, our, our next segment of kind of more about the, the impacts of COVID. So I guess we might as well do that right now. Let's go ahead and do it. Boom. We're, we're, we're segued. Uh, we're now we're no, into, no longer in BC. We're no longer in BC. We're now in uh, uh, MC, mid-COVID, <laughs> mid-COVID, uh, during COVID. All right. We, we got to come up with a more official name. We're COVIDing. We're COVIDing. Yeah. So the, the, so I know that, uh, Pete's is, is a, is a big portion of your business. I would imagine, right. How many, they, cause they have what a hundred doors ish. Yeah. I think almost 200, but it's like 190 or something like that. That's Maybe incredible. More. And our, and is that, uh, it's mostly West coast. Is that right? Yeah. They're all in California except for like two or three that are in Colorado. Awesome. And are, are you in all of them? Um, well, there's some on the East coast, but very few, I think I'd, so I'd say like 85 per 85 to 90% of their locations wow. are in California. And then they've got some on the East coast, but they're, they're doing something else out there. Yeah. Well, yeah. congrats, man. That is, that is gigantic. I mean, I know any of those bigger chains, I mean, shoot anything with, uh, 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 first of all, any sale is a, is a good sale. A, a chain with five locations, it feels good. But, you know, one like that, that's that, that, that's like, you know, can can make your business because you know that you have that revenue coming in and you can afford those six or seven full time employees and that one part time in large part just because of that that core business that you know that you have kind of month over month, especially after you've been there for a few months and you kind of get a sense of of what your what your churn's going to be. So what has how has Pete's. Uh, reacted and and changed their their policies are they still open did they shut down for a little bit and do modified or, or yeah, they're shut, yeah. They, they, they've shut their 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 doors i know they're doing a lot of delivery and they're i mean the great thing about them is they have a um you know cpg like arm of their business where a lot of their businesses through the you know the beans and the coffee that they sell mm -hmm. via retail so i'm sure that they're able to at least as an entire company, absorb the impact a little more as well. But, uh, but yeah, they closed all their retail cafes um, for the time being because the state of California issued the, you know, sort of the blanket ordinance for um, shelter in place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that a, a lot of the juice bars and coffee shops that we work with, they've either shut down completely or they've kind of instituted a shelter in place ordering friendly ordering system. Mm -hmm. So I went to a company that we've been working with who we actually used to be next to them at a farmer's market like five or six years ago. And they have moved their cash register in just directly in front of the front door. 
Hmm. It's probably a fire hazard, but I don't think the <laughs> fire marshal. Yeah, there's no one inside, but it would be a fire hazard. Yeah, so it's basically just the owner sitting behind, and so and you know you, you go up and you place your order, and and customer is basically there, or you text your order if you're really ahead of the game, and the the oh, the next person behind you kind of loiters on the sidewalk like ten feet away until you do your thing. I've seen other owners who have even like taking taken masking tape and put an X on the sidewalk and then spaced it out every six feet so that you kind of know mm. what to do. You've probably seen pictures of people doing the same thing or something similar, like outside Costco waiting to go inside. It looks like the line is a mile long, but it's because it's so uh, uh, sparsely populated. So anyway, Pete's closed down. So that's half your doors right there. Yeah, it's a pretty good pretty good number or close um, to it right or slight, slightly less than half probably yeah yeah probably slightly less than half but um nonetheless uh you know a, a big part of the business for sure yeah yeah and then you know a, a large part of or i don't know if a large part or maybe you could give me like some fraction uh estimate of the of the offices as as was what they represent as a portion of your business because I would assume that office deliveries have probably plummeted as well. Yeah, the offices um, they felt there was probably I'd say like fifteen um, percent uh, of our business from a revenue standpoint, the corporate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, but it's it's you know pr it's profitable because it is like a more specialty product yep. that we hand make. You know on a daily basis, you know, right before they get it. So I think that that is, you know, you can only scale that so far, but, um, but it, it was nonetheless, it was, you know, 15%, which is still a chunk. Um, yeah. you know, that's like a piece of your leg getting chopped out and <laughs> have to keep, have to keep walking. Yeah. And is that, and that 15%, I, I would imagine is probably down to like, zero percent right i mean is, has that just turned off completely that, has that spigot com you know completely turned off or is it there's still little little drips i think so i think we got um yeah from the on the corporate side i think it's pretty much all gone we may, might have it what it is is one of the ceos that drinks our product in the office on a daily basis is just having their personal assistant pick it up you know for them to have during the week so they're 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 still getting a a nice little fresh juice order, but that's it. Right, right. Okay, so you're you're getting tens or or maybe a, a couple hundred bucks a month. There is what that run rate's going to be, uh, <laughs> as opposed to tens of thousands. Yeah. Okay. So basically, for all intents and purposes, turned off. That, that's yeah. there. I feel like there there are some industries that are going to be turned off the way that movie theaters are. I just saw a stat that the during the same week last year. There were two hundred million dollars in in sales, in movie ticket sales, and this one. And this seems hard to believe, but I, I'm I'm quoting what I what I read yesterday. And no, I don't remember where I read it, but I I did read it, so it has to be true. Uh, and that the this this the the same week this year, which was just last week, was five thousand dollars. You'd think they'd be launching stuff for live stream or something online. I think. Well, I mean, this is like in-person movie tickets, but yeah, I mean, that's obviously what people in the entertainment industry are certainly doing. Mm. They're they're trying to kind of navigate this new world of uh, where you can move digital, and if you have a product that can move digital, that's it's obviously nice to have that 
that nimble ability to kind of pivot into a, mm -hmm. a new revenue stream. If you're in the CPG world or, you know, you're making juices, you're making foods, it's, it's, you're, it's somewhat limited, right? You're, you're not just like, oh, okay, let me just, let me just turn this into a, uh, some sort of digital version of, of, of what, but it's still the same kind of content. No, you're not going to email someone a cold press juice, right? You're not going to zoom someone, yeah. uh, the, the new latest and greatest, you know, ginger infused super, super drink, right? Yeah. No, that, that's not just yet. not going to happen. Um, so it sounds like, and, and this is fantastic that you have Sunbasket, right. To kind of, to back you up. Uh, I would imagine there, you're not in every basket, but you are, you're, you're an, you're an add-on item. So I would imagine that that's probably a decent chunk of change, right? I mean, Sunbasket is national. They're, I don't know, they're, they've got to be doing a hundred plus million, right? Is that, I think that's a reasonable guess. Yeah, they're, they're, they've, they've grown a lot too. I mean, we started out and it was like, and we started out with them when they were just launching this program. So, you know, it takes, if you have a core product and then you, you introduce sort of like an extension, I think it takes time for people to adopt that or to, to incorporate buying those, you know, packaged goods and that sort of uh, setting or arena or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely great. And luckily enough, I mean, it was, the timing was great. They ex expanded the line, like right before, you know, the whole COVID thing really hit like maybe early February. So it was great to have that already activated when the spike happened, because we, it, you know, if you're yeah. selling three, you, you know, that's only can grow so much, but if you have a lot more and then they go to capacity, then yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good chunk. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I, I, that's, I, that's the exact predicament that I think a lot of us are in right now is trying to, to move and adjust our, our business model to, to, to kind of confront or, or make do with the new reality. And, but there is kind of a, a, a a lead up time that is just like, there's no real getting around it. Right. Like you can, mm -hmm. if Costco comes to you tomorrow and says, Hey, can you do this? You're like, okay, well, I need to get these boxes and I need to have this audit to you. And I need to, you know, fill out this paperwork. And especially for any of the bigger customers that you're going to be getting, there's probably going to be more of that. And so it's not just going to be a overnight sensation. It's going to be, you know, these things are usually well planned out. So that's, that's fantastic that, that you had already achieved that before all of this started happening i would imagine that people are probably looking to places like sunbasket a already like the sunbasket oh my gosh they're probably a getting a ton of new customer signups and then b their existing core, like core group of customers are probably looking to them as everyone is looking for alternatives to their standard uh, home supply of grocery or their home sources of, 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 of groceries. So maybe you don't want to go to Costco anymore, but there's a farm stand down the road that you kind of used to drive by every day. And then now you're like, well, well that place doesn't have nearly as many people in it. Maybe I'll just, I can run in there. I don't have to stand in line for 10 minutes. I don't have to be, I don't have to like, you know, cross the, the, I don't have to be in a building with 500 other people. 
Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's, that's what I think the upside is, is like, you know, it's everybody, I think the best food is when you make it yourself because you're like, you're putting your time and your energy into it and you're like, Oh, I'm going to be the one enjoying this. So it's like, you know, the quality is as high as it ever should be at least, or at least the thought. And then, but it's nice because now that we're all quarantined, you can't have someone cook for you like you can when you go out to eat, which is like, I think the, one of the nicest parts of going out to eat is just like getting to go and sit and like talk to somebody or relax and, and enjoy food. So it's, it's, a, it's, cool usually a, they, it's a slower eating experience usually. Yeah. And so they've got these really, I mean, they make these uh, like oven ready um, kind of kits that are made suit like literally you put it in the oven and it's like, if that's your preparation and it's like organic, it's high quality. I think that's like actually providing this service that has, it's now scratching another, like, you know, another itch. For, yeah. Yeah. For, for consumers because they, they can't even go out and have, go to a restaurant right right so in san francisco are places just fully closed down like because because in san diego so like i even just got my my little local um paper the the beach and bay press today and it had a a, a big old list of all the kind of grab and go or well all the restaurants in in our community here that are providing takeout options so right now dining in is basically illegal is my understanding but takeout or and delivery are are still alive and Correct. basically the only source of revenue for for these brick and mortar um restaurants is is, is it different in san francisco no no that's that's correct i mean i think it was up until that changed like about a week ago so before then everywhere was just closed um completely wow, okay. shut down and and i don't think even doing delivery or anything like that i think they just had to be closed actually they maybe could have done delivery but they didn't have their doors open got it um but now they they do have i think you can go in for like takeout only sort of thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gotcha so here here's the uh the, the the big question of of the evening here all right lay it on me all right let's I, I, March is a, is a little funny because it's, uh, I mean, the first week of March, it was pretty much business as usual. And then it was like second week of March. Maybe someone would call you crazy if you were like walking around wearing a face mask and then things just kept escalating so quickly that now it's like, Oh well, yeah, it's always been this way. But no, it, this, this, all this craziness wasn't really in full effect until like we're only in like, day 14 15 16 somewhere in there of of this shelter in place thing but there's like four more weeks ahead of it so let's say where where are you predicting or what have you seen in terms of the the worst couple of weeks here where are you rev from a revenue standpoint as a like as overall down 50 percent 60 percent 70 percent and our and 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 then we'll kind of pivot from there into what you, what you can do, what you are doing moving forward from there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I would say right now, I mean, we've probably lost, we, we've probably temporarily lost about 75% um, of our mm -hmm. customer base from a, like a quantitative standpoint. Um, so that's like three quarters of our customers have probably closed. Um, Three quarters of your wholesale customers. Correct. And, and all of our uh, direct 
sales with like the corporate business for the most part. But um, what's, I mean, but what's also happened is the, the outlets where we are, it's consolidated the business a lot. So we sell to some distributors who deliver to doors for us. Um, And so we count those as one door because it's a distributor, but they're delivering to a lot. So that's, you know, easier to manage and things like that, but also a bigger piece of the pie. I'd say we're probably from a revenue standpoint, we are projecting to, it's weird because we've grown in some places so much. Um, So we're probably projected to do about 60% of our revenue. So while we're down 80% of our customers, we're probably just down about 40% of our revenue, but that's because some have grown so much. It, it's such a sign of the times that you say 40% and I'm over here getting goosebumps in a positive way, like, <laughs> like absolutely thrilled for you. Wow. Thank Whereas, you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it still feels like a beating, like you're going through the ringer for sure. But it, it's, it, there is like a silver lining to all of this, right? I mean, that's what I keep hearing people say, and it's so true. Um, so yeah, you like you, you you figure out where you can focus and try and grow quickly because that's what you have to do. And then um, you think about opportunities for how you can reposition yourself to just come out of this in a way that's like, all right, assuming that I'm gonna retain, let's say, fifty to. 80% of the businesses that I ha- that I've lost because we probably, I mean, I mean, shoot, we, we may not retain all of them. Who knows? Well, some of them might just not even be around. They might not open their doors again. Correct. Um, so you, you, you don't know, but it, so that's why I think it's like, it's nice to be able to focus on these other areas. And I think, I mean, there's a huge thing in the PPP loan that was just, you know, released that people are starting to apply for today, I think is people start applying for that. Um, yeah. I think you, you and I were talking about that in the, in the pre-show about how both of our banks have basically said here, here's some of the paperwork that you sh- will need to have on hand, but we don't have a portal for you to submit that through yet. Yeah. Stay and tuned. I, yeah. And I honestly think here's, here's the, I think the reality for us is that's the going to be the difference between a burn and, uh, and, and, and slightly profitable and sustainable that the loan should be. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, can you, for the people who, who aren't aware, some of that, uh, or my general understanding is that you, and there's a whole formula based off of, and this is, I think the, the details are yet to be sussed out, but the, the, the general principles of this formula is that you can take out a loan up to two and a half times last year's, uh, payroll and you can and then as you take out that loan uh, the first eight weeks of that will be that you use to continue payroll so basically the the it's designed to prevent people from being laid off whatever whatever funds you are using to maintain payroll will be forgiven from the principal of that loan correct right? yeah uh, so eight weeks of a free payroll for a company like yours, a company like mine, I mean, that's, that is gigantic. And that's, yeah, as you're saying, the difference between big losses and, and maybe, maybe having a, you know, a couple dollars left over uh, at the end of the month after everything's paid and being able to kind of wait this thing out as a stressful thing, but not a apocalyptic thing from a business standpoint. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And it's, it's allowing us to keep, our 
our three employees that are, um, they are most associated with our fresh juice business. So they're the ones who don't currently have like full-time work making the fr all the fresh juice that we were making before this for our, our uh, corporate office business. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's allowed us to keep our employees and be in a position to like go back to work once things normalize. So I think it's been, um, it definitely does also help you stay in a good position for hopefully when we think this thing's going to be over. But obviously at this point, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of speculation still at this point. Yeah. Is it a little bit frustrating for you being in one of the epicenter cities, uh, for at least in, in the US, and having these really constrictive policies put in place and and being okay with it, but then looking to other states and seeing how kind of how far behind they are and thinking that for every day that everyone else in the country or, or that other people that there are states in, in the country that have not yet put into place uh, tighter policy, you know, shelter in place policies, social distancing policies, that it's going to elongate all of our stresses, both as, you know, general citizens, but then also as small business owners. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that um, it was, it was, it was, I was definitely at first like, oh man, I'm a little bit scared because San Francisco is such an internationally traveled city. And, you know, there's, it's a very densely populated, like small piece of land where the city exists on. Um, so I was definitely like sort of a little bit worried in that sense, but at the same time, because it was one where the, some of the outbreaks first happened, I think over in Berkeley, it kind of caused everybody to change their behavior immediately because it was a first time it was like, on U S soil. And so I think it caused us to react quicker. And so because we reacted quicker, we weren't you know, like New York, they didn't do the shelter in place, I think until at least a week or so after San Francisco. And you saw how quick that community spread was. So yeah. I think there were some advantages to it while it's like anybody in a city right now is at a disadvantage. So that's like definitely a downside. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just mean, I, so we're down in San Diego. I think we're we're like maybe five or six days. I think from a policy standpoint, behind you guys. And I know that I was looking and and or reading about other states like Florida. I think just now implemented their shelter in place guidelines. And I'm like, man, I've been inside for like two weeks, and you're just now getting around to it. Like if everyone would have just started. And so I feel like for someone like you who is, you know, at the, at, you guys were at the, at the, the tip of the spear. So if like your total shelter in place time is going to be like three or four weeks longer on top of what everyone else in the country is doing or, or what the last mover is going to be doing. Right. I mean, that, I think, yeah, yeah, at least from a, from the economy standpoint, economic standpoint will be impacted longer for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully everyone gets on board and uh, we can move this thing along and yeah. get back to, to business as normal, business as usual, because, and I, and I, I bring this up because uh, of a point that, that you brought up, which I think is really insightful, which is the longer this goes on, the more businesses, the more wholesale retail partners that you have that either 
will that will not come back to you as a customer for one of two reasons one being they they just straight up don't don't survive and then two maybe they're they've had their doors closed for three or four months or have moved to a different model and and a now are getting approached by your competitors and no longer have kind of that same supply chain in place or b they've had to pivot their business model away and and yours your product was one of the things that was kind of on the chopping block i know that's something that we've been certainly concerned about as well but i just hadn't really put it in those exact terms so thank thank you for that ryan no you're yeah i mean you it, it's the kind of thing where you're just like man, i don't know what's going to happen next and i think getting comfortable with like and whatever whatever we're going to like think of that we think is going to happen, it's like not going to happen. So I think just being ready to do what you can in any sort of environment and, and plan for the worst as much as you possibly can imagine that. And like, still like, like, all right, I can plan for bad, but if this is this bad, I, I just, I don't think it's, it, it's possible. Um, so there's, yeah, <laughs> some of that. Yeah. Well, at least, at least you have sun basket, my friend. Hey, this, right? yeah, it should be an ad for them, but everybody go out and, ch and check out some basket because if you haven't tried happy moose juice, you can. And, and also uh, thank you to sun basket for retroactively sponsoring this podcast. Uh, it really means a lot to us. I can't believe the check had that many zeros on it. Uh, absolutely crazy. So, all right, let's, uh, let's go ahead and, and move along to, we'll call this PC, right? Post post COVID at least post like in immediate gut check, the, 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 the sky is falling COVID and onto kind of how we're going to move past this. So we've already talked a little bit about how we, you and I are both going to be applying for these uh, federal funding sources kind of waiting on our bank. I know there's, there was uh, the first package, the, the emergency or the disaster loans, uh, some of which could be forgiven. And then we're all waiting for kind of the, the bigger one let's see it's funny this is the the fifth podcast i've 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 recorded this week and you would think that in a normal news cycle like at least from from a normal business news cycle there couldn't have been that many changes but it's like every day there's just a giant new piece of information so since the last podcast the new big big piece of information is there were seven uh sorry six six over six million people filed for unemployment in that last week. And it was 3 million the week before. It was like 3.3 and 6.6 .6 or something. So basically, basically 10 million people have filed for unemployment. That is a crazy number. So we're all hoping that the, the PPP, and do you know what that stands for? Payment Protection Program? Plan, program? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> all right, the, the PPPL. Uh, yeah, the PPP Please pay program. People. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I mean, hopefully that gets that gets put into place quickly, and so we can kind of uh, stem the flow of of unemployment filings and, and get people back to work. Because otherwise, there's really going to be a new reality when when this is all said and done. But uh, getting getting this is supposed to be the happier part of the show here. Don't don't, don't let me get off into a into a negative tangent here. How what, what can we do? How, how can we uh, how can or what are your specific plans? I guess or even broad plans. Um, in terms of adapting to where you think the the new normal is, at least for the next kind of four to six to eight weeks, kind of as we're still uh, in the in 
I mean, April is assumed to be shelter in place, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, for for me, it's just, uh, I think the, because everything, like all bets are kind of off, you know, from like a financing standpoint where when you thought you could have raised money, it's not like nothing's guaranteed. And so my personal thought has been like, like not scramble, but like work really fast to get like, uh, like a, find a sustaining element to the, to the business and to get to a sustainable place or a more sustainable place and then start to, it, it, depending on how much cash you have. I mean, that's yeah. like the whole thing. Most people, you know, me and you, I'm sure we're, and we, I mean, we've been bootstrapped since we started. And I think that's like one of the, you know, it's, we probably haven't grown as fast as we could have at times, but at the, in, in the same, in the same way we've been, we've been required to be some somewhat sustainable the whole way. Yeah, um, no, that's a, that is actually a really good point. We haven't brought that up on the show. Thank you. Yeah. If you, if you have to bootstrap everything, then you're already looking to streamline as absolutely as much as possible. And you can only really grow within your means. Correct. Correct. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, you know, for us, it's been like, well, we were sustainable, but like the business that we lost made us not sustainable, especially with the, um, the size team that we had and the revenue that we were doing. Um, so, and we wanted to keep, keep everyone. Cause I think the big, the big vision is like, all right, let's assume that we'll get, you know, a fair amount of this business back and like have the team in place and ready to go so that you're not taking a big step backwards if you don't have to. Um, but, uh, so we just, um, I think, yeah, tried to get to a place where we felt comfortable and sustainable and tried to forecast our burn as much as possible at first. And then, mm -hmm. um, and luckily enough, yeah, it's like we've figured out some, I mean, we started selling immediately and we started like, you know, places that felt like, all right, we could turn these, you know, places on or focus on these things. It's funny because where you spend your time is where you're going to, where you're going to grow. If you don't spend time on it, you're not. And so if something just, if a door shuts, then you're like, all right, I can't, I'm not, can't go here. So where am I going to go? Right. And you turn your focus somewhere and regardless of whether or not you have to let people go, which is probably a very real reality for most people. Um, yeah. You know, then you're just trying to figure out how am I going to like absorb the impact so I can like still function. Yeah. And, and that's, gosh, you were just full of like, I mean this honestly, like a lot of insights, what you said about how, you want to plan to, you, you want to be ready to just turn the tap back on. You know, let's say if it's, if you know for sure, okay, May 1st, everything goes back to normal. And you're like, okay, great. I can hold my breath that long, right? We, we can make this work. I, I can keep the, the team in place. I can take out a bridge loan. We can make this work. It's going to be okay. But the, the hard part is the uncertainty because, okay, what if it's June 1st? What if it's July? 4th? What if it's September first before there's a return to normalcy? Okay, well, I I don't have that that kind of runway. You know, I I don't have that sitting in the bank without some sort of government infusion, cash infusion, or going out and raising money. And then speaking to your point as well, okay, do you go? Th this is there's so much uncertainty that I think people are going to be less likely to that that. Uh, less likely to be willing to to invest in kind of the 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 little known brands, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, everyone knows that like a crisis is a, a crises 
crises create lots of opportunities for investment, but they're going to be riskier. And for businesses like yours and mine, I don't know if they're necessarily the same types of uh, investment opportunities as seen through the lens of like a professional investor as say, I don't know, uh, a hurricane blows through the Bahamas and there's, you know, uh, buildings are getting wiped off the face of the earth. That's a great time to go in and be like, Hey, we want to put a four seasons here because property has never been cheaper. Right. Yeah. That's kind of obvious is now a great time. Whereas, you know, before you could have, I think your company, my company, kind of companies in like that similar revenue space could would it would have been a lot easier to find those those types of financing sources than where we are now where when you go from a hundred percent of you know when you go from your revenue down to even if you're at i mean at 60 percent that's still a huge de you know decline right and that and the thing is like that's happening overnight and that's what's making it so hard to adjust so I think what you're saying about just trying to find kind of a, those those pillars that you can kind of hold on to, like the the rock of your of your business, and really latch on, and make sure that those are are really secure. I think that that's that's really smart, and and what I will probably go do as soon as we get off this podcast is is figure out how I can do that more. Um, no, re re really smart. Um, I think we're pretty much at the, at the, at the end here, uh, before we, before we go, tell us, uh, tell us how people can find where they can buy happy moose juice, what your favorite flavor is. And then, uh, and then I have one more question for you. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if you're in the Bay area, then, um, I gotta let you know, you can find us at uh, good eggs, um, buy right markets, some of the, you know, rainbow grocery, Gus's co-op, some of the those grocery stores that are still open, um, Berkeley Bowl, Alameda Naturals, Sac Co-op up in Sacramento, um, Molly Stones, Little Chain, we're about to launch over up in uh, Nuggets Markets in the Sacramento area. They got about 15 stores. Um, Sun Basket, Nationwide Delivery, check them out. Organic food, they're like, the meal kit delivery is done right. They're all chef driven. Um, really delicious and ingredient forward menus. Um, Sunbasket sponsor of the show. Boom. Sunbasket again, dropped it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Farmstead, a local um, delivery company as well. Um, and then, yeah, we're, uh, we're pitching some big retail markets right now um, that we're feeling really optimistic on. So stay tuned on that. You should just check out our website, follow us, uh, happymoosejuice.com. Um, Cause we got some new products on the way and you guys want to, you know, learn about all that stuff too, because they're going to be treats. Yeah, no, it it really is some of the best juice around. I make. But it my fun. but my favorite one, oh. I got a plug. Yep. Uh, Hella Berry. This is a vegan coconut smoothie with probiotics. Um, and that one is, is my favorite one, too. Okay, this is the one that we uh, developed with the Boys and Girls Club here in the neighborhood. So that um, that's like our community impact program, but um. We, we work with them on a weekly basis, but they literally developed this entire smoothie, named it, picked the ingredients. We put, we, we, we kind of let them in on the probiotic uh, ingredient addition and we made it, we re, we required them to add one vegetable. So there's beets in here. Um, but uh, yeah, that's cool. Cause 20% goes back to them. You can find that on no other than sun basket too. Um, so 
but that's my favorite recipe. It's delicious. Kind of like a little breakfast in a bottle. Oh, breakfast in a bottle. You're selling it short. It's like a strawberry milkshake. Oh yeah. It happens to check the box of healthy breakfast in the bottle. It's very bombastic. That will, um, (laughs) yeah, do a a tap dance on your taste buds. So. Ooh, I, I, I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not, I'm not the first person you've, you've used that on, but I love it. But I'm sweet talking you, Grant. Don't, yeah, you are. Oh, don't yeah. get it twisted. Uh, you're already in, my friend. Uh, all right. Thank you so much. Uh, next time we have you on, it's going to be on the, uh, I don't know, the, the sequel to this show, uh, yet to be named, when it's happier times. Uh, or if this goes on forever, then we'll just have PC, you on right? and we can, uh, we can talk about how cool our unemployment checks are. Yeah, well... PC post COVID, we got to do the follow up. So we, that was just a prediction. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, sir, for all the invites, and you you have a great night. Thank you, Grant. Man, thanks for having me. I had a great time. Thank you so much to Ryan Armistead for being on the show. If you would like to taste the magic of Happy Moose Juice, go to happymoosejuice.com. Wouldn't it be delightful to open your fridge and see some delicious cold-pressed juices and know that you were in for a tasty treat and we're supporting a small business? Juice for thought. Today we give a special thanks to Peggy Bunker and the Bunkmates and their frontman, Ryan, aka the guest of our show, for use of their song Geronimo. That's the song playing in the background right now. The ever-depressing unemployment and COVID stats come from the Department of Labor website, dol.gov and worldometer.com. As I always will, I'm ending today's show with one unsponsored small biz recommendation. Our unsponsor of the show today is my new favorite coffee company, East Allstead Roasting Co. They focus on single origin, medium to light roasts, micro-batched in East Allstead, New Hampshire. So do some social distance shopping from your couch at eastallsteadroastingco.com. No need to feel guilty because you're shopping small and helping the economy. Check out smallbizgoneviral.com for all episodes and updates. That's biz with a Z. I would genuinely love to hear from you with your feedback, input, interview nominations, and suggestions for future shows. You can always send an email to smallbizgoneviral at gmail.com. And just like with small businesses, if you like this podcast, please share it with friends. Someday, hopefully soonish, this will all be over. And until then, stay safe, social distance, and remember to shop small and buy local. Local.